Welcome to another edition of our Six Questions podcast. I'm Trent England at Save Our States, where we defend the Electoral College 365 days a year and, uh, you know, one extra in leap years, uh, which is, I think, coming up uh, in 2024. So uh, <laughs> we'll be working extra hard that year. But uh, no, I'm I'm uh, glad to be here, obviously not in the usual studio, um, out in Washington, D.C. at a meeting with a lot of state legislators, including a lot of brand new legislators from around the country, educating them about the importance of the Electoral College and constitutional federalism. As James Madison said, state legislatures are supposed to be a double security for the rights of the people. Uh, and uh, it, it's important to help legislators understand their role in protecting our rights, especially vis-a-vis -vis the, the federal government. Um, someone who is out there protecting the rights of medical patients, which is, you know, every one of us at some point in our lives, is Dr. Keith Smith. He is the co-founder and medical director of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, and I'm excited to have him on the program. Keith, uh, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's great to uh, it's great to have you here. Talk a little bit about free market medicine. Let's let's start off with the surgery center, which has become kind of a, a phenomenon and, and I think copied, uh, at least in some places around the country. But what what sets the surgery center of Oklahoma up with our uh, pillars and our mission uh, when we decided uh, that we would never um, accept any money uh, from the federal government uh, and the strings attached to that? Uh, we also decided that patients would know before they arrived at our facility um, how much they were going to pay us. At the time, we were filing insurance claims um, out of network. Um, but later on, uh, we realized that, you know, that wasn't free market enough. As much as we thought and championed ourselves as free marketeers, uh, we had not gone far enough. Uh, so, uh, in 2009, uh, I launched a website uh, with our all-inclusive pricing uh, on on that website, and we deal with no insurance carriers uh, whatsoever. So that, I would argue, started uh, and was the beginning of a marketplace um, in the United States. Um, if there was one at all uh, where there were uh, there was price competition, it was fledgling or absent. And I would say now um, it is vibrant. Uh, so what sets us apart is we we really are um, are missional in our approach uh, to taking care of patients, but we're also missional in the principles we think ought and the financial principles that ought to guide uh, those of us on on my end and on the institutional end taking care of patients. So I think when you sort of popped my Mind. You're like the Hillsdale College uh, of uh, of medical centers. And you said you don't take federal funds. I think a lot of our viewers would be familiar with with Hillsdale. So I, I that that comparison popped in my mind. But you, you talk about insurance, and I would guess that some people hear that and think, well, this must only be for rich people because how could anybody afford surgery without without medical insurance? You know, we've been we've been accustomed to believe that. So how does that work? How can anybody afford surgery if they don't have an insurance company who's stepping into the process and, and you know, negotiating and paying all the bills? Yeah, well, I would argue people cannot afford surgery who have insurance. Um, you know, from the very beginning, we found that the prices that we quoted over the phone uh, were less than people's deductibles. 
And that that was an all-in price. That was surgeon anesthesia facility. That number invariably was less than a patient's deductible. Uh, you know, we were quoting $1,900 for a breast biopsy and the medical center down the street, it's so-called not-for-profit status, was charging 19000 for just the facility. So, so, so you are for-profit. The hospital down the street is non-profit. And the hospital down the street is charging, I mean, multiple times more than you charge. I mean, how? I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I guess I'm sort of asking the question that I hear in listeners' minds, which is how is that possible, right? How could that, I mean, you know, do you, do you, what are you not paying for? What is it that allows you, you know, is this some kind of Walmart where you're running people through a an ultra cheap process and the hospitals are doing things a lot better? I mean, you know, I, I know that's not true, but but I just wonder what people think because we are, we're accustomed to think that it's $100,000 for this and $50,000 for that. So how, how does this work? Yeah, we've, we've joked all along uh, that, you know, it must be really hard work to not make a profit uh, <laughs> since they have to charge so much more than we do. And, you know, we've been open 25 years now, Trent, and I'm happy to say that I am asked that question rarely. I am asked that question rarely now. In the beginning, I was. You know, is this some drive-by, slipshod, are you kidding me? Now the focus and the bright light is on the price gouters. I'm not asked anymore, how can you do it for so little? Typically, I'm not the one that gets the question. It's the big price gouging hospital that says, why are you charging multiples of what Surgery Center of Oklahoma is across town? And I think that's happened because our quality reputation um, has become well known um, and so, you know, the whole idea that we are cutting corners or something like that is it's not even in people's minds now. Now the focus and the bright light is exactly where it ought to be. And that is on the bankrupting machine that so many patients enter unknowingly uh, these days. And the answer to your question really is what you see with my price uh, online is what it actually takes to what it what it takes to take care of patients. We don't yeah, have we don't have it in people, you're looking at and, it. And people are actually, I mean, I, I think you know, we, we talk about price transparency in terms of telling people what it actually costs, which seems like such a simple idea, but it's so rare in the medical industry. But I guess the other side of price transparency is that you are you're not just telling people what it costs in terms of what they're going to pay. You're really telling people what it costs. And everybody who comes to the surgery center is basically paying that as opposed to the hospitals where it's all this weird shell game of medical billing. Uh, well, I, so let me, I want to come back to that, but let me, let me jump over to question three is kind of back in the realm of public policy. And I, I know, um, you know, you 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 run the surgery center. You, you're involved in these debates over public policy. One thing that happened in Oklahoma has happened in many states, and happened in just about every state over the last ten years is that they've expanded Medicare. Uh, Oklahoma did this in 2020. Has that has that brought prices down? I mean, that was supposed to uh, you know make medical care more affordable. What have you seen, Keith, in, in Oklahoma as Medicare has expanded, or excuse me, as, as uh, Medicaid has expanded? I said Medicare, but Medicaid. 
Well, we don't accept any money from the government, um, Medicare or Medicaid. Um, I think that, um, the, you know, the people who really pushed for this expansion were the big hospitals who claim that the pricing Medicaid inflicts on them bankrupts them. So we we all knew the hospitals were making a lot of money at Medicaid pricing. Uh, we've seen, for instance, when we... Um, will perform a cochlear implantation on a baby. Um, you know, we we have our charge online and it's it's there for everyone to see. And you know, surgeons will come to me and say, you know, you know, the hospital is paid more, just the facility is paid more than our entire online fee plus the cost of the implant by Medicaid. So the hospitals pushed for Medicaid expansion because they like Medicaid and they like that reimbursement and for all their poor mouthing that, you know, we have to overcharge everyone else because we're so poorly funded by Medicare and Medicaid. You know, they didn't uh, they didn't promote Medicaid expansion because it was going to be bad uh, for their bottom line. Uh, it was going to help them. It actually was going to be hard for them to hide how much more of a profit that they were making. So um, I, I think Medicaid uh, expansion will fuel uh, the poor mouthing claims of the price gougers. Um, it provides uh, a justification for overcharging and cost shifting others that is uh, false. But I think the hospitals will take advantage of that and we'll see we'll see prices continue to go up. However, there is this thing called market competition. And there is no place on the planet that it is more alive and well than right here in Oklahoma City. And the hospitals are very aware uh, of what is going on, not just at Surgery Center of Oklahoma, but at other facilities in Oklahoma City that um, have kind of put their toe in the water and are copying our model. So while government continues to throw gas on the price fire, the market continues to to deliver value. You know, as as I like to quote Hans Hoppe, he says, markets deliver goods and governments deliver bads. And I think, think there's no industry in which that is more true uh, than the medical industry. And Medicaid expansion is a great example of that. I'm talking with Dr. Keith Smith. He is the co-founder and medical director of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. So, Keith, one thing that we see in healthcare, we also see it in education in various ways, is government comes in, gets involved, and and then claims that uh, we we need a lot of regulation in this area. Uh, you know, because it, I, from my interpretation is partly government constructs these. Uh, monopolies or, or you know, situations that are similar to monopolies and then says, well, there's not a lot of competition, so we need a lot of regulation. And that then has the effect of diminishing competition even more. Uh, what What is the effect of all this government regulation? And what are, are there things that that are affecting you, even, you know, even in your free market medical world that you know, either the state or the federal government could, uh, you know, could get out of the way further and allow you to better serve patients. Yeah, I love uh, Per Byland, uh, the professor at uh, Oklahoma State University, uh, wrote a book 
where he just said, let's call it what it is. Uh, regulation is a choice restriction. You know, let's just call it choice restriction uh, going forward. And that's what it is. Regulations, um, you know, ostensibly created and written to protect the consumer are always written by the people who have a seat at the table. Regulations are always created by the industry insiders uh, to their benefit. Sometimes it looks like it is uh, choking back the greed, you know, of the seller in the marketplace. Typically what a regulation uh, in its purpose is, is to crush the little guy. Uh, regulations are, are typically created by the big players at the table, and they know what their smaller competitors cannot endure. And so that is what regulations typically look like. So right now there are uh, there are small hospitals uh, in rural areas. There are small surgery centers and imaging centers that struggle under the burden of regulations that are belched out by the state health department and by legislation at all in in all areas, federal, state, and local. Um, property taxes choke them, while these not-for-profit behemoths uh, pay none. Uh, so there's really an unlevel playing field. Um, the federal government subsidizes the hiring of physicians by hospitals by overpaying doctors who are hospital employees compared to those who are independent. So there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of challenges out there that are downstream of regulations. I would argue were created to benefit um, the big players. And in spite of that, in spite of that, this market, free market movement, this market competition continues to grow and, and continues to encroach on this fortress that these giant hospital systems thought they had erected uh, around around their little empires. These uh, giant insurance companies, you know, they charge you know, you know, huge amounts uh, for coverage, whatever that is, for people, you know, with a seven, eight, ten thousand dollar deductible, and they've turned all these people into sticker shocked uh, customers who are shoppers um, yeah. and finding websites with pricing, and they're they're telling these hospitals you need to match up, and they're, you know, looking at themselves in the mirror and scratching their head and say, why don't I join a cost sharing ministry? Why am I paying fifteen hundred dollars a month? to Blue United Cigna Aetna for nothing, essentially. So all of all of these regulations that have been created are there, uh, are there to not protect the customer. And I would encourage people to really wrap their minds around that. These regulations are there to protect the industry insiders, but the market is a beautiful and a powerful thing. And, and it's really bringing down this house of cards in spite of all of that. I'm, I remain long-term very optimistic. Yeah, I, just as you were saying that, I, I hadn't thought about this before, but I wonder if part of the uh, sort of pro-government side's attack on contractors, you know, in terms of Uber drivers and the whole gig economy and all this is partly driven by the fact that you know, when when you're an employee, oftentimes you don't see how much those health insurance costs really are, uh, whether your employer pays it all or you even pay a share. It just you know it sort of comes out. It's pre-tax and right. it disappears like your income taxes do. Uh, 
and you know when you're a when you're a contractor and you're writing a check something like a healthcare sharing ministry which which in in my pricing things out seems to tends to cost maybe 10% of what insurance costs uh becomes you know becomes a lot more interesting and appealing uh, but I think a lot of people just don't just don't see that. Um, Keith, I, I I have to ask you because of course, save our states, we're all about federalism. Um, what's the federalism angle with with all of this? I mean, you're you're located in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, relative to you know states like California and New York, tends to have uh, lighter regulation. Certainly has uh, lower lower taxes in in most categories in those states. What what is the the federalism angle for uh, free market medicine? How you know how is that helping you, uh, and how does that connect with the future of this of this movement and maybe the movement of people and and businesses among the states? You know we've seen that play out with regard to tax policy and housing affordability, but uh, you know I think uh, I think educational freedom and healthcare freedom are, are probably. Uh, additional factors that are going to affect where people want to live. Yeah. And I think um, just the, the atmosphere, um, the people in Oklahoma and the, what they do, um, how they work, how they make their living. um, It is a, it's a, it's a very wholesome uh, environment compared to uh, many more surrounding States. I would argue it's a great place uh, for anybody to raise a family um, I, I would argue as as good a place as any in the country. I think we saw the federalism angle really play out uh, during COVID. You know, a lot of a lot of states uh, were relatively more locked down um, than Oklahoma. We had a very short, very brief uh, shutdown of elective surgeries here, um, and I faulted our governor for that. But you know. The thing I like about him is he admitted that he was wrong. He admitted he made a mistake. He figured out who lied to him, and he fired a whole bunch of people for that. Uh, But during that lockdown period, or I'm sorry, as soon as we opened back up, there were patients from many states outside of Oklahoma that uh, were much more locked down. And they would reach out and they would say, you know, can you help me? Um, you know, my wife has a breast mass and, you know, we, 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 we've been told that's an elective surgery. And so, well, you know what, that we consider that not emergent, but certainly not elective. I, I would, so we just created a third category and uh, we called it urgent. So people traveled to Oklahoma from all over the United States, um, and they knew their, they knew what they were going to pay before they got here, which helped. Um, you know that patient patient that had gallstones. Well, people that have gallstones in their gallbladder, sometimes those stones get loose and they occlude the pancreas, and then they get really sick and they go to the intensive care unit and they don't do well. So we considered gallstones a basically an urgent procedure. So. We continued to do those surgeries even during uh, the state lockdown here in Oklahoma. So, I, you know, the federalism angle, I love it because the states don't act like colonies. They mm-hmm. act like states with pushback power where we're, you know, intersecession um, and is basically 
basically an option. So the, the states can push back, you, know, you can have all these federal mandates, and anytime, anytime a state pushes back against a federal mandate, um, I like that. We saw that during COVID. Uh, it brought many people to Oklahoma's shores that, you know, would not have otherwise come. And then they went back and told all of their friends. And so we're busier than ever because, you know, they've, they've had their experience at Surgery Center of Oklahoma and, you know, they you know, tell all their friends and when they need surgery, uh, they come. So, you know, the, the idea that states are competitive with each other for, you know, which, I, which ideas work, I think really played out during COVID and Oklahoma was more of an open state. Um, and I think a lot of people got, got the flavor for that and they know more about what Oklahoma is all about. Yeah. And our governor was certainly reelected with uh, with huge margins, and I think partly uh, partly because of, of of that, and as you said, not not just always getting it right, but being willing to admit when he didn't get it right, which is fairly unique in in people like elected office. <laughs> That's right. Well, Keith, our last question on six questions is always the same. It is uh, who is your favorite founding father, and why? You know, I read an article this morning on my favorite website, um, on lewrockwell.com, and it's an anti-state, uh, basically, uh, website. And the author's name is George F. Smith, no relation, but he makes the case that Thomas Paine uh, really was the most important founding father, even though we don't think of him. Um, as a founding father. Um, the article was compelling. Um, and after reading that, I think I'm going to agree uh, with George F. Smith's article this morning listing Thomas Paine, because ultimately Paine demonstrated what we all know is true, and that's that ideas matter. Um, and his his pamphlets kept the morale of the troops up uh, during the um, during the secession movement uh, away from England. Um, and he was a very, very powerful, very gifted writer. Um, he died penniless and he died friendless. Yeah. Um, so he was not in the business of making friends. Um, he was in the business of ideas. So um, you asked me today, I'm going to give Thomas Paine the nod. <laughs> I, I, I like that for a couple of reasons. Uh, yeah, I mean, Thomas Paine, you know, as someone who writes a lot, the influence of Thomas Paine, which was all through the written word, uh, you know, taking those ideas and converting them into to writing that that was uh, appealing to the great mass of of uh, you know the Continental Army and and the the militia and just patriots during the Revolution. Uh, obviously, I, I like that. He, you know, he he uh, he was originally a corset maker. I think in Britain, and so he went from from lifting the the bosoms of of women to lifting the spirits of Americans, which I think is is fairly impressive as well. And uh, and you know just uh, just last Sunday, uh, Thomas Paine got a a quote and a shout out uh, at the the homily at at my church, which is actually right up by the surgery center. So um, so yeah, I was which I thought was a little you know uh, you know very. Uh, 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 very well done by the uh, by the deacon who who delivered the homily. You don't hear a lot of uh, Tom Paine quoted in Orthodox churches, but <laughs> no, no, you know. 
So, so yeah, it's a, uh, it's a timely, timely reference. And we will, um, when we push out the podcast, we'll see if we can connect that link to the article, lewrockwell.com. That sounds like good reading for, for all of us. Um, Dr. Keith Smith, uh, co-founder, medical director at the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. How can folks stay in touch with your work, the Surgery Center and the Free Market Medical Association? Our website is surgerycenterok.com. There's a lot of information there. There are a lot of videos there um, that people can watch. The, the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of this movement is the Free Market Medical Association, fmma.org. Um, our annual meeting is in Kansas City, um, May 3rd through 5th. Uh, we've had Ron Paul and Steve Forbes and Kennedy of Fox Business as um, as speakers in the past. We're proud this year to have Peter Klein, uh, the um, the the world's expert on entrepreneurship, um, who's a professor at Baylor. He'll be our keynote this year. So it's it's a movement that is that is really spreading. That Free Market Medical Association is in thirty seven states now, uh, and I would argue this movement is is really what shook Washington, D.C. by the collar and right or wrong um, manifest as a mandate, an executive order uh, for hospitals to post prices. Um, my friend Larry yeah. Van Horn, the economist from Vanderbilt, has basically said, you know, this all started at Surgery Center of Oklahoma, and he basically wrote that executive order. So this movement is growing. It's powerful. Um, it's reason for hope. Um, and there's not a God, not a lot of good news in healthcare these days. But um, there, if people will watch um, our website, the Free Market Medical Association. It will it'll lift their spirits uh, as Thomas Paine has done. <laughs> That's right. And and I'll you know, I'll put in one one other plug. I mean, if if folks are you know wherever you are in the country or or the world for that matter. If folks are going in for surgery, I mean, to go to your website and just see what it would cost and be able to take that into their own medical facility and say, hey, look, you know, this is they can do they can do the same procedure all in for this price is, a, I mean, a great uh, I almost said weapon. I don't know if I want to be that strong, but, you know, it's a great tool for people to hold, you know, their own medical facilities accountable, whether you're in New York or Seattle or, or wherever. So. Uh, yeah, really, really good resource. Uh, Dr. Keith Smith, thank you so much for being a part of Six Questions. Thanks for having me. Thanks to all of you for watching, for listening. Remember to give us a good rating on uh, you know wherever you're finding this podcast. Share it with your friends. Thanks for being a part of the Save Our States community on, on Facebook, on our email list. We are gearing up for legislative sessions, which begin in January, but bill filing is going on already. We're seeing bills filed to try to subvert the Electoral College, primarily through the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. We're tracking those things. We're letting people know through our online communities so that you then can go and uh, share with your own legislators, wherever you are, your views on all of this. They're hearing from the national popular vote lobbyists. They're hearing from the other side for sure. The question is, are they hearing for, from us? And so we want to give you the tools to do that. Please connect with us at saveourstates.com or on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, we will continue to carry on the fight. Until next time, I'm Trent England for Save Our States.